Heavy Hops is a Scorched Tundra production. You can access all our episodes with detailed show notes and information about upcoming events by visiting scorchedtundra.com slash heavyhops. Be sure to follow us on your preferred social media platform. Subscribe, leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you access podcasts. Thanks for supporting us and enjoy the show. That makes me happy. The happiest is when I hear people say, you know, the more bands on the, the whole roster that are liked by one person makes me the happiest because it means, all right, cool, I'm doing my job. I'm not giving you the same old, same old, like, here's 12 bands that all sound alike. Welcome to Heavy Hops. My name's Alexi. My name's Sam. Kathy Pello is the founder of Sargent House, a record label and artist management company based in Los Angeles. In putting the commitment to long-term artist development at the center of her work, Kathy facilitates a growing community of highly respected, like-minded artists from the dark and heavy worlds of music. You know these bands, Russian Circles, Mutoid Man, Lingua Gnota, Emma Ruth Rundle, Earth, Death Heaven, and many more call Sergeant House home. Kathy's passion for cultivating talent and giving non-mainstream artists a platform is evident in our discussion about her most recent projects, including Riverwood Art Co-op. A culture of trust and empowerment are among fundamentals to the success of her artists. With the backdrop of uncertainty in the music industry, Kathy's enthusiasm, focus, energy, and passion are extremely welcome. We kick off this wide-ranging conversation with a robust discussion of what is coming up immediately for Sergeant House. Let's dive and get heavy. Kathy, thank you so much for joining us on Heavy Hops. We've been uh, looking forward to having you on. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So we know uh, you're busy and you've got a lot going on. So let's kind of start with the now and what's happening now uh, at Sargent House, at least. What is happening at the moment? Like I'm seeing kind of on social media, uh, there's a new album from a band called The Armed. There's a new Chelsea Wolf single with Emma Ruth Rundle, Lucas Frank's debut, and then the co-op. Like, tell us about some of these things. All very exciting things. All very exciting. Um all right, we'll start off the Armed. Very excited about the new Armed record. It's amazing. Uh, it's uh, got a lot of incredible uh, guests on it this time. Um, ben Chisholm is new to that fold. Ben Chisholm is, uh, you know, uh, part of Chelsea's band and her ongoing sort of collaborator. He's an incredible mixer, producer, engineer, editor, video shooter, photographer multi-instrumentalist and we've just formally started after 10 years of of having him do everything in secret <laughs> um i now formally manage him to the rest of the world um he's a special bookings only kind of guy though he sort of really picks and chooses the stuff he he, he wants to get involved in and the arm was something he really loved and he brought in troy Van lewin from queens and we got, I got Mark Lanigan to come and guest on the song. We got Nikki Cage from True Widow. It's just like a jam packed uh, and it's such a great record. Um, and they're just, you know, they're pretty crazy. Like they're very creative, very interesting, making amazing videos. We're working on some really big stuff with them that I'm super excited about. Um, on to the next thing, uh, the Chelsea Emma track. I've been wanting, 
Chelsea and Emma to do some kind of, you know, anything together for 10 years now <laughs> since the day I met Chelsea, you know, because Emma was already with me when I met Chelsea. A lot of people don't know that, but Emma was in Red Sparrows. So I've known Emma longer than than Chelsea. And but I didn't know Emma could sing until she did marriages. And I was like, holy moly. Um, but anyway, so they've be they're they've become really good friends over the years, and they're just, you know, two of my favorite artists on earth. And so it was wonderful to get them together. And that really came about, you know, Chelsea had an old song that didn't make the record, an idea for a song. And it just was really kind of, per, you know, it was really what was going on and how everyone was feeling in, in COVID. And so she said, you know, hey, do you think Emma will want to maybe sing on this song? And so that's how that came about. And it's great. And then we made a video with this Cressa Beer, who's so fantastic and makes really great stuff, animation stuff. Her Instagram tag is Beeragon. And she makes these little like Godzilla shorts. <laughs> I love her. <laughs> Um, and then what else do we have? We have the arm, Chelsea and Emma. Um, Lucas Frank uh, is called Storefront Church, and his record is really one of my favorite records in a long, long time of a new artist that I came, you know, came across, which actually Carrie from Deaf Heaven and Cole from Dive both hit me up and they're like, you got to hear this guy, Lucas Frank. He's amazing. He has a new record and he, he needs a label. And the second I heard it, I was, you know, I was like, oh God, two of my boys have, you know, not my guys in my band are asking me to listen to this record. I hate it so awkward when this happens because what, you know, I'm not going to like it. I won't want it. And then I was like 30 seconds in, I was like, oh my God, I love this record. So Sadly, because of COVID and because he's such a new artist, I really just believe in the record so much. I decided we've got to put it on hold. I would hate for it to just fall on, you know, death into the abyss. And but exciting thing, he did do this incredible song for the show, The Queen's Gambit for Netflix. And it's beautiful. It's called The Gift. It's 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 streaming everywhere. And it's on the fourth episode of that show, which is fantastic if you haven't watched it yet. Um, what else was on our list? Uh, the Armed, Emma. What else was on your list? I think the co-op, uh, the, oh. Riverwood, the Riverwood Art Co-op. Yeah, which just sounds like an animal on its own. The co-op is really an, an intense and an awesome conversation. But before I get to the co-op, I'll continue with what other exciting things are going to be coming from Sergeant House soon. Alexis Absolutely, yeah. Marshall from Daughters. Um, I don't know if people know, but I managed Daughters very early on in Sergeant House's history. My insane children, I called them. <laughs> like my, uh, I met them through Russian circles and you know just love love them they're crazy they were super crazy at the time and very hard to deal with <laughs> um but have great daughter stories but they would always tour with uh, circles young widows so it was like you know they're very alexis has been part of the family for a long time and so it's exciting and i'm, I'm really proud of how good his solo record is which um he recorded with Evan Patterson from JJL and Young Widows helped him. John Cyberson from Daughters plays drums on it. 
uh, Chris and Hader, Lingua Ignota, worked a lot on it and um, helped him uh, kind of in production and stuff with Seth Manchester for Machines with Magnets. So that's a great record that's coming in June. And then we have um, really huge Mutoid Man news, just an FYI. Um, they're going to have, they have a new player in their band, which I, I'm not going to name, but when everyone hears, they're going to die because he's mega. Um, so that's going to be incredible. And they're writing their new record. So we'll be recording a, a Mutoid Man record this year, which I'm very excited about having the guys back in action. Um, I've got the Lingua Ignota record, which is just devastatingly incredible. It's amazing. Also recorded with Seth Manchester at Machines of Magnets. Um, and then we've got a new Emma Ruth Rundle record is coming. Um, that is just gut-wrenchingly beautiful. I won't get too much into it. I won't reveal too much too early on, but that is coming. She's also scoring a film called Duel for Riley Stearns is the director who did The Art of Self-Defense. And that's gonna be a great movie. That's got the guy from Breaking Bad, what's his name, Aaron Paul. Um, so that's exciting. That's her first soundtrack. Uh, Chelsea has got a huge soundtrack, the DC Comics soundtrack. She's um, got a song on that that she did with Tyler, you know, that her, her and Ben did um, that's coming out a lot, you know, and she was the voice of Wonder Woman for all of that stuff for DC Comics. It's called like heavy metal something, something. Um, Dark Knights heavy metal or some shit. And um, she is also scoring a movie, which I can't talk about, but it's a pretty big deal. Um, what else have we got coming down the pike? Uh, God, I know it's going to be like terrible. It's like, I'm forgetting something, but um, Russian circles are going to record this year. Um, maybe I'll get an earth record. Who knows? Um, <laughs> pull Dylan, pull Dylan back in action. Dylan lives down here now. So that's nice. Um, anyway, so, all right, let me tell you a little bit about Riverwood Art Co-op. Riverwood Art Co-op is, is super cool. We're building a, a recording studio right now on our crazy property um and it's going to be a place a, a sessions place you know where we kind of film and create uh films about artists by filmmakers and uh we will kind of create these sessions that are very one of a kind that incorporate a lot of different artisans. So it'll have, you know, a special piece of merch attached to it that's designed by a special illustrator or artist that we will also feature. It'll have a still, still shoot that goes with it that will feature the photographer. We'll have a documentary that will feature the filmmakers as well as the artist and the engineer and the mixer, any of the, you know, uh, musicians playing the gear, you know, at every single session will have this multi-tiered, kind of coverage um, really in an effort to kind of elevate the community and elevate the different artists that, that are behind the scenes as well. And it'll be a profit sharing um, situation where we will release the records, you know, we'll, we'll release uh, the recordings 
and we'll have a subscription. So it'll be for people to really subscribe to this art collective that will then be split up amongst the different artists that are featured each month. And it's, I'm excited about it. I think it's gonna be really cool. And we're gonna do really, it's a, it's the type of place where it's gonna be like, oh shit, did you see that they had like Mike from Russian Circles with like Ben Cola from Utah, you know, like where we have crazy collaborations, really wild one-offs, you know, is that, you know, you know, Chelsea, Iowana and, you know, Lingua Ignota all like singing in the same place, you know, stuff that other people, you know, really, really like Sergeant House um, style where it's like bringing in people that we really love and respect outside of our own roster, but as well as our own roster. It's for everybody. It's really just for quality stuff. Um, and it's definitely very um artist centric in wanting to build you know again support community and really raise up new artists and give them a platform to be discovered because it's very hard to to launch a new artist so we're going to have really good um like at least anywhere from you know like 12 to 15 a year where they're called introducing or you know it's basically going to be this is who we all think is amazing and everyone should know about um and you know try to you know have people find out about new stuff mm -hmm. i think that's one of my favorite things about sargon house is just the, the way that you interact not only with the bands really shows through the, all the behind the scenes but then all this collaboration that i see coming out of both sargon house bands and then you know other artists that maybe aren't even affiliated with you, but they're friends and it's similar genres. And it's just the creative space that you give is unbelievable. And in my opinion, almost unparalleled to any other label in the industry. And I just kind of want to dive into your thought process and why that is such a virtue for you. Um, well, thanks for noticing that. Um, it's really the most interesting and most important part of my entire thought process behind Sergeant House was to build a community of like-minded creatives. I came from a world of, I was a film producer. I owned a production company. I was a music video commissioner. I wasn't in the music business, you know? I only just loved music. I had an agency in New York where I represented writers, directors, cinematographers. So I always have always managed artists and always eccentric artists like you know not mainstream pop stars and shit like that it was always like the sundance artists you know it was like the filmmakers that were making really kind of independent films and um and so i've always been the ch champion of that you know just talented people that are doing it for the art and not for the the commerce um the commerce only and so when I started Sergeant House, it was also, again, like people call it a label and I don't even like it being called a record label because I don't think of it as a record label. I think of it as a management company. Like I, once I sort of believe in an artist, it's the record label part is simply the infrastructure so that they can release the record they want. It's like, hey, why do we want to like let other people have say over our stuff, tell us what we can and can't do, um, and we lose all control as well as lose control of seeing where the money is, you know? So um, 
Sergeant House was always started as like just uh, sheerly for me as I wanted to support artists that I believed in. And at the time I had no intention of becoming a label or even a band management company. I was a successful production company and I did like massive, huge jobs and was crushing at music videos and commercials and films and everything. And um, just started to love helping bands. And that's, so I became an accidental, you know, and the label's the same. I started putting out records because I was able to, do it better than the option that was available to the artists. And from that very moment on, it all started as a community. It started as like just the bands I liked acted like that. And it just evolved into where it became very much, you know, when I sign a band, it's usually their friends already with someone I already, you know, work with or very, very, you know, familial. And then I just really believe in lifting up other people around me. I don't believe in, I'm not in competition, you know, when people are like, oh, it's like, I'm not, I'm not in competition with another label doing something. Like if I do something and a label copies it, I'm like, great, it's, you know, like I introduce something that's helping other people do stuff or the co-op, I know a lot of people will, that idea will turn it will blossom and it'll be a new generation of young people build let's start a co-op and you know it just um and that's awesome so community's always been extremely important to me and um and it, it does separate us from the rest and it is and i'm really grateful it's like that because it you know again it's, it's it's very hard these days to get opportunities for new artists and knowing that i have the kind of artists that understand my concept of like, hey, it's your turn now to pay it forward. You're, you know, support this new artist I've taken on and they'll take them on tour and they bring them under their wing. And it's really awesome. And it's helped every single band on my roster. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, it sounds like putting community at the center is kind of the intuition that you're putting out there. And it's yeah. certainly more a way that that is that would be understood by a band as well. Cause that's how they think when they're coming up uh, yeah. through their own musical scene. Um, and also like uh, when, <laughs> when other people are looking at what you do uh, in this case, imitation, certainly flattery um, by having this sort of like uh, artist centric uh, approach you have this incredible community of bands that have kind of been built. Was this something you ex like that you foresaw in some way would, would happen? How did you kind of get to a point where you said, this is the approach that I want to take. This is what I want to foster as a community. Or was it just these things kind of flowed out naturally? It's a little bit of both, but it definitely started with RX Bandits were the first band that I helped put out their record. And, and that's how I became a label was like, they needed help to get off the label they were on. And they, it, you know, and, and that's the thing, I'm, I'm actually a really amazing negotiator. And I, and I was, I knew the owners because one of them was a director, a, a music video director that I actually had in one of my rosters. And I was able to just kind of go in and get them out from underneath that situation. And, and part of the deal was that they had to self-release the record, which was 
which I believe was, was destiny because it taught me by, you know, by force, I was like, all right, that could, it's not, how hard could it be? And uh, I immediately went and got distribution. And, you know, I, I just, I did it, I did it. Um, I was, you know, again, I was a grown up and I already, I, I was financially stable. So I was able to, you know, finance things, but they're such a community bunch of people like they're hippies you know <laughs> it's like they're very much into like helping their friends they take their friends on tour you go to their shows everyone sings it's like very very cool and that became the tone of how I then proceeded I was like it's so much cooler to have bands to surround yourself with musicians who are all into and respect one another and like want to tour with each other and want to help each other um, so I actually definitely for the first 10 years, I would never even sign a band unless it was like at least five or six of my other bands were like, yeah, they're great. Sign that band. You know, it's sort of like I have to, it's like adopting a child. I have to go to the rest of my children and be like, Hey, you guys, you think you can hang with, you know, are you guys going to want them? And, and it's, and it's definitely important that they all, that, that there is some, um, acceptance in advance of me taking on bands because it is really important. I do respect all my family's opinion and I want them to be excited about the things that, that we're involved in. Um, and it makes it a lot easier when it's like, Oh, we can't wait to tour with that band. I'm like, great. Cause that's the reason I'm, 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 I'm counting on you to take this band out, you know? Um, and it definitely works. I mean, you look at a band like Brutus and it's, I signed Brutus and the first thing, you know, who did they tour with? Chelsea, Russian Circles. And then I, you know, introduced them to Riley at Thrice and they got Thrice tour. And it's like, before you know it, it's like all it takes is one or two. And then the rest of the, the world sees the band, you know, and, and starts to ask them um, to tour with them as well. So it really does help, you know, um, the same, like I, I always joke that Russian Circles are, they're the only band I have to like make sure they like whoever I'm signing because in the end they've like pretty much broken all my bands. It's like, oh, just like if you look at every single band I have, it's like they've all toured with Russian Circles and you know, Death Heaven, Marriages, Chelsea Wolf, Everest Rundle, like Daughters, Young Widow, JJL, which was Young Widows, like every single one of them came up. Red, you know, everyone came out of Red, Russian circles, it seems. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of it. I, the the community thing is really important, and the co-op is an extension. It's a, it's like, hey man, artists should, you know, I'm into the profit sharing thing. I'm into artists controlling their own destinies. I just, I, I don't. I never did really believe in the old label system, which is why I started my own label, which was really just to make my own bands comfortable. Yeah, that's that's just like absolutely amazing. And I think it's kind of, there's so many interesting things about it and the way you operate. You definitely, it seems like you operate like your mentality for the label is you operate like a band. You see these each individual bands as like a piece of a marriage. Like, does everyone get along? Make sure, you know, you're able to go on tour with the other bands. That's like yeah. very important because you want to foster that environment of growth and collaboration. And if they don't have that with the other bands, they're just not going to yeah. fit in. Um, so then if 
we look towards your management team and how you build that out and how it has grown over time. Do you look for similar traits that you look for in your bands when you're growing the management team? Um, you mean for people who work here? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I wish I had like more people who work here. <laughs> it's very, um, it's hard to find people. Um, it's 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 always because we do management and label the people who come and work here have to do everything so it's like you know they're kind of have their hands in 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 everything um but the real like management side like the talking to the artists and the communicating is definitely it's really me you know and then mark who's my partner who runs the record label stuff and deals with all of the label stuff he talks to the artists the same but it's always about the record aspect you know um but the people who work here i, I tend to like you know we we don't make shit loads of money so, you know it's not like some big interscope records where i have like espresso girls running around for meetings it's very streamlined it's like at my house you know it's like it's, it's the other phenomenon is like people are like it's so insane how you know I, I turn my house into this world you know where it's the band stay here now we have like six acres we have a pool we have a recording studio we have guest houses it's like pretty sick like mom has set up the best camp you could ever have you know um but yeah I usually just have really rad kids who work for me like it's it's really definitely a, a job where I care about people who are not racist for one, not bigot fucking scumbag metal, like that, like trashy bro-y kind of mentality is not allowed. I'm, I'm very, um, you know, I just want kind, good people that love, genuinely love music. And I tend to hire young people as they're kind of, and sort of, you know, bring them up and then they reach, a, it's like Logan's run. And then they reach a certain thing where it's like, okay, now you're at a place where you deserve to make more money than we can ever pay you. So now you send on your merry way. And they all go off to become like really rad. Like, you know, uh, all the people who've worked at Sergeant House now have like really great jobs, like in music and they are managers. They, so it's like a great school to send these, these wonderful soldiers out into the, into the, into the world after they're done. So they, it's a, so it's, you know, kind of the lifespan here of, of the people who work here, other than Mark, who's my, you know, my ride or die, uh, is, is like anywhere from like, you know, two years to six, six years. And then they kind of move on and have to go on their way. And then we start a whole new cycle, but we don't have tons of people, you know, most of our people are, I mean, Marika, who oh, I opened an office in Berlin and she just, she's amazing. She was really a fan of Sergeant House for many years and she's a great writer and she writes for music magazines. And she just asked me like, Hey, could I help you in Europe? And I was like, I actually really want someone to help me in Europe. And so now it's really cool. Cause she, she like knows more about the label than I do. So she's, she runs Sergeant House all the socials I've turned over. I'm like, you can just have everything except for Twitter and Instagram. I'm going to continue to do that Sergeant House Instagram. But she does Sergeant House Europe and she just puts up 
the history of Sergeant House. So like, it's the best account. It's my favorite account. I watch it. I'm like, oh my God, that was 10 years ago. Oh my God, I forgot I had that kill. Oh my God, I used to have Hella. You know, like it reminds me of all the, the stuff that we did, all the great music we've released and just like, it's really fun. If you don't know about Sergeant House Europe, Instagram, that is the jam. That's like a really great, she does it way better than me. I think that's a, a very, uh, positive environment for young people that are coming up through the industry to be exposed to. Um, when I think of like people that I knew when I was younger or first, like getting started in the music industry and they were like interning at labels where they despise like their boss maybe, or there was like, uh, it was, or the environment that they were in fostered a different type of culture. Um, I think that like starting people out with something great like that uh, can in the long run actually influence the industry in a larger way. If enough people are kind of coming through your house in a way. I feel the same. I mean, like I said, I'm really proud of the Sergeant house, the kids who used to work here. Cause again, like they go on like Brittany is like head of AEG now. And like, they all have like really good positions and they take that, philosophy of the artist first with them wherever they go you know um there it's it's not a male there's no male toxicity here too either it's like it's just not allowed you know it's like i'm a, I'm a woman so <laughs> there's no like there, there's 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 no sexual harassment which is awesome um <laughs> it's it, it's um it really is it's a cool you know, I mean, again, it's it's really a great place if you genuinely love music. You know, I would want to work here if I was a kid. Mm -hmm. That's why I work here, because I still think I'm a kid. <laughs> <laughs> um, when we're looking at the different sorts of, I, I know in a way you kind of look at all these things as sort of in in concert with each other but you have uh, the management part of what you do and you have your record label. Uh, there are like other kind of core competencies of what bands need, uh, like a booker, or maybe there's like a publishing side. Are these other th uh, areas, things that you're kind of interested in in some way, or are you cool with like farming it out? I'll never be interested in being a booking agent. Um, I did actually, I, I sponsored a kid, Adam Flyter, to, to do Riverwood booking. And it was literally like, you know, nine, you know, a year before COVID hit. Um, and I did it mostly because I really believe in him and I just wanted to back him. And, um, but I don't personally ever want to be a booking agent. I have a great relationship with the agents that I work with for my bands, Merrick from ground control, pretty much he, he just signed the armed, but he does the armed. He does Emma Ruth Rundle, Helms Lee, Death Heaven Earth, Russian Circles, um, so pretty much my roster and then Chelsea's with Christian and then I have um and then Vincent at Odyssey booking does like all of my European you know all my European booking for the majority oh Robbie Frazier at William Morris is Brutus and I love him he's booked a few of my bands um so yeah as far as booking agents go I, I totally believe that <clears throat> it's way more it, it, they're so imperative. It's great to have people that I trust and have a, a good relationship with. So I, I will never try to be a booking agent. I will always 
use, you know, hire the people who are way better at it than me. Um, and then as far as, as publishing goes, um, I really encourage my artists not to, to, to sell their publishing or to do things like to control their own publishing and to keep it. Um, we do have, we do, um, just this year now we've, we've done a deal where we will like help our bands have their publishing administered because of, because of digital, you know, you need to actually go out and chase digital mechanicals that didn't exist before. And now we really kind of do, it is, it is wise to have someone who is going and getting that kind of money, you know, they're going and finding it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At, at a certain point, if there's something that's like highly technical or specialized, you know, you can. I'm not trying to can... do it. I don't do PR either. Like we have, mm-hmm. we have different publicists and that's the thing. That's why when people are like, how many people work there? I'm like, every record and every artist is different and we don't use the same template for everything. We're very anti like, oh, let's use the same template. Um, so it's like, well, this record even sometimes we use depending on the records like it's like well maybe let's use let's not use we'll use lauren for this or we'll use you know let's use ryan on this one you know it's like there's a few core publicists that we love all of them and they're all they also have their own unique uh, talents or what they you know it's also some gravitate like I know that they personally love this band and not as much of this one. So that's not necessarily the right place to go. But um, again, like that's one thing I would love to have is someone who likes could do in-house publicity in addition to the publicists that we use. But just someone to like keep track of that shit during the year. But it's very hard to find someone that is good. Yeah, um, oftentimes those and there's people, no press yeah. anymore. <laughs> right? Yeah, I was gonna say nowhere to send stuff to you anymore. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say it, it's a it's a little bit of a different world than when there were like tons of agencies and the metrics there, of how that's judged is totally different now too. There used to be there used to be blogs, you know, like there used to be mm-hmm. genuine like music fans writing about music and the word of mouth of music, and you know. I don't blame them. It's like they just shut down because it's a lot of a lot of free labor for no thanks, um, you know. Which is the same as uh, there were a lot of labels. I remember ten years ago when when I was where I started. You know, it'll be fifteen years this year, and I watched all these little like kids start labels, like so many labels that were started and have shut down since. But. Um, labels you know independent labels and blog music blogs were like all the rage and they're you know it's only the strongest survive it's tough to do and um but yeah it's there isn't when you're doing a press campaign now it's like okay there's 50 people fully it used to be 500 you know that you'd have to like send send it out to now it's like not like that at all Mm -hmm. yeah i remember doing some I I ran a uh, or I have like a small label that was active from 2005 until 2000. We're still technically active. We haven't put anything out in a while, but I remember it was very much like there was this list of thousands of different contacts, and every week it was a matter of 
combing through, oh, who's out, who's in, and it's yeah, it was just, no it's just a nightmare. Longer than six weeks. <laughs> yeah, it was nuts at that time. Just as you mentioned, there were so many blogs and publications and pseudo publications and like and fake writer, you know, writers like, hey, I want free records, so send me shit. Yeah. 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 Definitely. It, it was just a, a very complicated thing. So in a way, maybe um, it's a little bit it's different, but maybe easier to keep track of just because there's fewer people. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was going to I was going to ask as well, like, uh, you know, it seems as though uh, there are bands that are kind of attracted to what you do. And then there's bands that uh, come to you by way of your family that are kind of like extended family that get uh, that kind of get sucked in. Um, like you're looking at kind of like long-term career building here. Um, yeah, is this kind of like the Is this like the highlight of your work? Uh, because like, really you're not looking at it in a, I do this functional manner. You're looking at things like uh, uh, completely holistically. Yeah. I, um, I'm a, I am a complete long game person. If you want to come and, you know, if, again, I, I, the artists I choose cannot, they don't have a choice in making music that has chosen them. And that is what they're going to suffer to do if that's what is needed. You know, it's not their B plan. It's not their D plan. It's their only plan. Um, and I don't really, you know, it's part of my criteria. It's like, you know, weeding out the people who are just like kind of hobbyist musicians, you know, like, I don't want you if you're just like, hey, it's fun to rock and hey, hey you know, we want to make a record and get signed and like tour when we feel like it. That's not the kind of artists I have. Um, I have, you know, and, and if you look at my roster and you look at the history, it's like, you know, look at Russian circles, Chelsea Wolf, these are bands I've had for going on 10, 10 years to 15 years, you know, um, they're consistent. It is, they are serious. This is what they do. Um, and, uh, and it's been a long game, you know, like the strategy I use to make Russian circles be the very, a very successful three piece instrumental band, you know, um, was absolutely thought of, you know, there are things that I did and changed in their tour strategy or who they would tour with or how they would tour or when they would headline um, very early on. You know, the first thing I did when I, when I got them was get rid of their booking agent, change to a different agent and tell everybody they're headlining. They're never opening for anybody again. And the booking agent I left was like, you're crazy. They can't, you know, whatever. And I was like, okay, well, that's why I'm leaving. Like, if you believe so little in this band, then you're not the right person. And it was like the next tour, the first tour uh, opportunity I got them was Tool in Europe, you know? And it was like, it's just, I have this fierce belief in the artists that I, I represent and I act you know, it's like once I believe in an artist, there's like nothing that's going to stop me from making sure I do everything in my power to like get them in a position they should be in. I'm very much into making my bands become headliners. Like I don't like opening bands. I, I sign all opening bands and my whole, the whole fun part is getting them to be headliners. Um, in fact, every band I've signed is, was the opening band of another band 
that then that now is you know not an opening band and that's what i'm most proud of i'm proud of taking artists Lingua Ignota is a perfect example. I signed Lingua and she literally went from being like first of four to never playing opening for anyone ever again and believed in her so fully that it was like, how I, you will never, I canceled two of her two tours she had scheduled. I'm like, you're not going and playing as an opener for $100 ever again anywhere. Um, and I was right, you know, it's like she is her own. I was like, we'll create our own thing for you. You know, you don't need to follow the old template. You're not going to ever play first before ever again, you know? Um, so that's fun. I like to develop artists, like start them from the beginning and then really with an eye towards really building their career so that they are the ones in control. They get to pick who opens for them. They get to pick who's on their tour. Um, they get to, you know, really have, have just say over, over, everything they do, um, to me, that's the ultimate in succeeding for an artist is to help them get into that position. Mm -hmm. And you giving them that space and that confidence really shows in these bands who, I mean, I, I honestly literally love probably every band you have signed and just Same. seeing them grow record after record shows how much not only confidence you have in them, but they have in you. And it's really reflective. I mean, that last Russian Circles album literally broke the mold of everything they have ever done, in my opinion. Yeah. And it took me two listens to really come around and be like, that is without a doubt the best record they put out. And it's giving them that room and giving artists that room that really allows them to be freely creative. And that's something that you look for in them being artists in general, like you mentioned. Yeah, they're extremely encouraged to do that. I've never been in the recording studio of any band's record. It's like a, it's just an unspoken law. I do not fuck with artists making their records. They're allowed to pick who they want to make a record with, if I can afford it. They, and they are allowed to go and make whatever record they want. I don't ask to listen to demos. I don't like pre-approved records. I believe in them fully. And I sit back and I wait till they send me the record and then I cry because I'm like, oh my God, it's so great. I can't believe you did it again. You know, that kind of thing. But um, again, it's, 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 uh, it's definitely unique to, uh, you know, it's not the same style, but I definitely, you know, I, I do, I, I give them a place where they can feel safe. That's the most important thing is like, you know, especially and i think it's why i've really gravitated in the last couple of years to really wanting to nurture female artists because they are um treated it, it, they're treated differently um and it is hard to be part of like super male structure and not to be all like you know whatever but there is some nuance to you know being able to understand the way we react to things is a little different than how men might react. Um, and a lot of it is about like just really making them understand how important and great they are and how good their work is. And, and um, that's really meaningful, you know, for artists, they really do need to feel supported, um, which 
I do. I'm like a mom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I Absolutely. am the rock mom. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. Like, yeah. But I'm also really brutally honest. So some of them, some of them I've gutted many times, but hey, they all know deep down I love them. And whenever I say stuff that's tough for them to hear, at least it's for their own good, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, you touched on wanting to give um, women more of a space in just music in general, Um, a very male dominated industry. So let's kind of tackle things bit by bit here. A, you're operating and running your business or your record label. Um, How have you kind of faced this industry and told, you know, people, fuck you, I can do whatever I want. Um, The time I was, you know, 20. So, I mean, I, I, I had a, a child, I lived in New York and I had a, I was a single mom at 21 and by accident, again, it was sort of, I need to work and I need to have work where I can bring my child to work because I don't have enough money to get a, you know, someone to watch her. And so I ended up, ended up uh, representing a fashion photographer who was a friend of mine because I could bring my baby to work. And that's when I realized, wait, I could get you really good jobs, you know? And so it sort of turned into that where I, and that was, that was when I started my first company in New York, I represented fashion photographers and stylists. And again, it was when I realized, okay, if, if somebody is doing something that I think is amazing, I am an amazing salesperson. (laughs) I can get that person opportunities. I, when I believe in you, it's like, there's no stopping. So, um, I have never worked for anyone ever since then. I started my own company at 21 and I've always had my own company and it's always been representing artists and I'm 54. So it's been a long time. (laughs) Um, That's what I love to do, you know, and even the film stuff, it was like, I pretty much was making, I was producing films, but I represented the directors. You know, I owned an age, a production company where, you know, I, I produce the things, but I also am the representative of all the directors that work on the, that work in the company. So it's the only thing I've ever done. And so getting involved with music again, the label part was just like, oh, this is simple business. I know how to get a distribution deal, you know, negotiate contracts, all of that kind of stuff um, wasn't the interesting part to me. It was always about being able to, to create the infrastructure for artists to then be able to do whatever they want without restriction. So it was like, I don't want to work with another, uh, why would I want to sign, you know, Taramellas to some label because they're willing to sign them for $3,000 when I can just say, here's $3,000, don't sign with them and let's do whatever the fuck we want, you know? Um, And that's how we started back in the day. And it's just sort of how, uh, you know, we've definitely become a very strong record label. We sell a lot of records, you know, we do a fantastic job. Um, I'm very proud of it. I'm very proud of the hard work that, you know, that Mark puts in and everybody who works on that side of it. But um, yeah, the, the fun part for me is the management side. It's really always been, always been the fun part. Mm hmm. Absolutely. So 
you've been, you're going on your 15th year now, and a lot of these bands you've had for seven, eight, nine, ten, yeah. the whole time. There, I've had a lot of the bands that I, that I have, I've had for their whole career. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, um, and or by the, when I got them, their career started, even if they had had some kind of, you know, something, whatever, other than Earth, um, Dylan came, Dylan's been with me, I think it's like six, six years now. Um, and you know, they're on their 31st year. So he, he's, you know, and he was always like an idol of all of my bands. So, uh, Dylan, I, I think of as like the godfather because he was like, Emma was like trembling when she met him and stuff. And it's so funny now because they're all such good friends. But it was like, oh my god! And I remember it was it was a show at the El Rey, and it was Deaf Heaven was headlining, Marriages and Earth was playing second, and Marriages was opening. And so Carrie from Deaf Heaven and all of the Deaf Heaven guys and and Emma and Greg from who was also in Red Sparrows, um, they're all like, oh my god, there's Dylan Carlson, there's Dylan Carlson, and it's so funny to think of now because he's just so like that's Dylan, you know. Uh, <laughs> But I remember I was sort of out of the blue. I, I met him that night and then out of the blue, kind of like a year later or something, I just got a random email. I was like, hey, it's Jill Carlton. You think you'd be interested in managing me in Earth? And I was like, yes. <laughs> it, was like, it was just like, yes, of course. Like, you know, and um, so, yeah, he's like the godfather. And, and that's just, you know, and he loves it too. It's like he he's, he's you know, him and I are kind of the same age and he loves all of the bands on Sergeant House. So he's always like, I want to do something with Chelsea. I want to do something with Tom. I want to do something with Joe. So he's always like, he's always up for it, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, so for I love hearing you talk about your bands and just hearing your excitement about them getting excited really, really <laughs> shows how much you care. I love um, them. I'm a sucker. I can't help it. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, but what gets you the most excited about seeing your bands grow in stature and what is your measurement for that success when they buy their first house that makes me the happiest i've got a couple i'm not going to say who but there's a couple that i've literally watched and i teach them about fighting to get like to saving and how it's important to own a home and helping them get there and um that always makes me extremely happy because again I, I i'm such a long hauler i'm such a you know long-term care about their careers so it's not just about what they're doing today i'm always trying to teach them about how they need to pr- how they need to think about how they're going to survive as a 70 year old you know like are you you know even with encouraging them to do solo records and acoustic acoustic records um, where they can, you know, have the ability to tour easily if they want to off different cycles and things um, while still being, you know, it reflecting what they want to do artistically. Um, I encourage, encourage, you know, I also, you know, I don't sign artists based on their looks and like their marketability. Um, also, because again, it's like, you have to be good. You have to be good when you're seven, you have to be Joni Mitchell. Good, you know, like survive, you know, fucking, you know, Dolly Parton. Good. You know, it's like, 
it doesn't matter. You, you need to be able to like, it, you can, you know, so, so that makes me the happiest is when I see them being able to survive it, the first, the first goal is always, I want them to not have to have any job other than music. Then they reach that level. Then it's like, okay, now I want to see them buy a house, you know, and that's kind of, that's it. <laughs> But I, uh, another favorite thing is, is again, and, and this is what I miss, and this is why I started Riverwood Art Co-op, is developing new artists, like from the beginning, like 22-year-old singer-songwriter guy that I come across, and it's like, that's a very hard thing to break now. Like, it's really hard to launch anyone new, period, that isn't a cheesy YouTube TikToker, you know, pop thing. You can't just take like, oh, this, this, like Storefront Church. Here's this young, insanely talented, like Jeff Buckley re, reincarnate. And it's like, how do I get anyone to listen to him? You know, it's not that easy. Um, and so Riverwood Art Cope is, is, is going to be about creating a brand where people trust that whatever I put out is going to be quality. So when I say, here's a new artist, they're going to actually, hopefully, this is the plan, they're going to check it out. <laughs> and then that new artist is going to have a way to get an opportunity to get on a good tour and to tour, you know, and, and that's another part of Riverwood Art Co-op. It's going to become a collective that has um, scholarships that will help pay for a van. If you get, if you're an introducing artist at Riverwood Co-op and you get a tour, we're going to finance your van, we're gonna finance your tour. Um, it's all about wanting to give back and wanting to create a developing, like a way for new artists to be able to compete mm -hmm. without yeah, competing. It, it, <laughs> no, no, it sounds like, I mean, you're creating, you're creating an alternative ecosystem altogether. Yes. Yeah. Um, when you, you mentioned earlier about having to kind of work with artists in a manner of if you don't like something uh something somewhere where they're headed that's inevitably something that may happen from time to time when you're this kind of emotionally invested with the artists and what they are doing it, it's very clear that uh you care deeply about about uh about their careers how do you um tell the set up guardrails for them in a way I, it's a tough one, um, which you just reminded me. <laughs> Deaf Heaven are finally on Sergeant House for their label as well as their management. I've managed them for 10 years, but this is their first record. Um, we did a live record, but their record that's going to come out this year is like so groundbreaking and I'm so proud of them. And I can't, it's like so insanely amazing um and different so we'll see um the guardrails there are no fucking guardrails here that's the thing it's like you know <laughs> i just have to roll with it it's like and sometimes you know an artist you know artists will give me a record that's very different than what i was expecting or like oh wow so i guess you're gonna go in this direction and um, I, I, I try not to speak too early. I, I just did that where it was like, I spoke too early without really listening to it. 
enough to realize where they were coming from and why it was right, you know? Um, but I'm fortunate because I never really had anyone, you know, I've never had an artist where it's like, I now want to be a disco electronic artist. You know, I, I want to be a white rapper, you know, like, so no one's gone so far off the rails. And again, I think artists need to evolve and they need to just, they need to stay honest always with what they really, and that's, that's a speech I give. Like every time when it's like the artists are going into the, do their record, I just, that's like the last thing I say on it is say, stay honest, be honest to how you want it to be. Don't fucking overthink it. Just be what is real, be what's real for you. Just go in. I know you're going to make a masterpiece. Fuck off, you know? Um, and that's, that's kind of how I have to roll, you know, and back whatever they do. Yeah, I, it, it's it's interesting because in a way, some of the we could call them guardrails or some of kind of the the way that the industry sort of functions inhibits creativity in a lot of ways. Obviously, on the financial side, that can uh, inhibit creativity, but also uh, yeah. I think that artists sometimes um, internalize expectations, whether it's like we were talking about like the death metal police recently with it, with, uh, with an artist. And that's one yeah. way that people can sometimes internalize things and end up creating the same record, uh, over again, or yeah, uh, I expectations on the, I, I definitely no. encourage my artists not to fucking listen to that stuff. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, death heaven's a perfect example where it's like, we just don't give a shit about what you expect from them. Like, you know, like they, they're not going to go through their life going like, Oh, everybody really wants us to be heavier or everybody likes more of this. They just do what really comes naturally to them. And you're either in for the ride or you're not. And I just, I, again, like, I just am a cheerleader of like, go for it, go, what is go for what is real for you. The naysayers can all like, they'll come around and if they don't, who gives a fuck, you know, you cannot care, you know? Um, and again, luckily I don't have artists that make music with money and success as their goalpost. Um, we don't mind that it takes 10 fucking years. I mean, it, it would be more fun if it didn't have to take so long, but like, like, like an artist like Emma, it's like, she's so unshakably credible because she has literally been doing the work and suffering and creating and evolving. Um, and no one's just given her anything, you know, like she has honed her skill, her talent and her voice you know, her voice of, you know, her artistic voice. And it's taken so long for people to acknowledge her, but she's there, you know, like she's now at a place where it's like, you know what, people do appreciate what you do now. And like, bravo, bravo, man. Absolutely. <laughs> um, you know, and so she, you know, it's not a matter of like, ooh, why don't you try to be like this or that? It's just like, just be, again, just be what you are. Be honest, be do what you do and I'll get, you know, I'm going to, you know, we'll promote whatever it is, you know, cause, and again, I'm lucky. I, I do have really, I think I have really good taste. Sorry. Um, my watch saying. thinks I'm talking to it. <laughs> <laughs> Siri keeps thinking I'm talking to her. Um, 
I do have a taste of, or just the artists I pick again, it's like, um, they're so legit and, you know, um, so they're not jumping all over the place. Like they are, their, their, their music is a natural evolution, which by the way, brings up another thing, which I haven't even told Brian, but Brian Cook, who has been in my roster longer than any other person, um, because he was in These Arms Are Snakes before Russian Circles, who were my second band that I ever signed. Like he, he's got this beautiful folk record that we're going to end up putting out, you know, like a total just acoustic guitar songwriting. And it's like, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> like, I don't care about what metalheads are like, this isn't as heavy as Sumac. Yeah, no, it's not. It's not meant to be, you know, like, um, so yeah, I, you know, I hope that I have, a, I play some role in just like the opening of, you know, the, the encouragement to open minds of some of the sort of like heavy music only listeners, you know, like Sergeant House is definitely, um, it's funny because people are like, oh, wow, you have like a metal label. I'm like, I actually don't have any metal artists. Um, you know, like if you, you know, I don't have like a roster full of metal bands. I have some bands that play heavy music, um, but I'm not relapse, you know, I'm not profound lore. It's like, I have, it's different, but it's all heavy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, storefront church is heavy. It's like, but it's not, it's Jeff Buckley heavy. It's like this beautiful lyrical, make you fucking cry and think about stuff heavy, you know? Um, so is Emma, so is Chelsea, so is Lingua, you know, it's like, it's not metal. It's just, you know, I don't know. It's all just good. <laughs> right. Well, it's it's like you said, heavy music is a it's not just metal, it's no. not just rock. It's it comes yeah. down to that feeling that the artist puts into it. And you know, you were talking about Emma and this long road to where she's at. Her mm -hmm. opening up for Cult of Luna before the pandemic hit, I thought was just by herself. Yeah. By herself too. I was like, that is bold. That is amazing. <laughs> I'm in hundred percent. And you know what? Seeing it at the shows everyone was into it too yeah, because yeah. I, I mean at least for cult of luna i think you're talking to a more broad spectrum metalhead in that term yeah. um but yeah. like the fact that she was so re well received is amazing and then unfortunately pandemic hit but you know her recognition to curate roadburn yeah like that is if you're someone who's aspiring to be a musician for the music curating roadburn should be the pinnacle of what you want to do as an artist and yeah and that's, that's a perfect example of like the things I fight for. Like it wasn't, it was Emma fighting, Emma curating Roadburn and Lingua Ignota, like being the artist in residence. It's like the first time women are running the game. And that was, that was, came from hours of talking to Walter. You know, it was, it was like an, it was a very, um, Again, a long game conversation about why don't you have women curate Roadburn? Why are no women involved in like, why aren't they part of the voice, you know? And to his credit and to Becca, you know, they embrace it, you know, and are pioneers for it. Like, you know, and and like really did stand up and, and shift the game. And Roadburn's a perfect example of how everything should be in my mind, you know, like, have you ever, if you, if you haven't been there, it's like, it's just such a wonderful 
vibe. Um, it's all, it's like heavy music, it's artful stuff, but everyone's just like open-minded, you know? Like there's none of this, I shouldn't say there's none of it because there's always some assholes somewhere, but you know, with the, pol the, the metal police or whatever, but um, it's just everyone, you know, it's the same with what's going on in politics right now. It's like, if, can everyone just please just, everyone just be fucking kind, like just chill. And like, if, if they're not hurting you, just like look away if you don't like it, you know, like everyone, you know, just like everyone live and let live in the real sense of the word and appreciate stuff that's different, you know, like, yeah, okay. That dude's wearing a dress and he's a huge seven foot tall black guy who cares? It's cool. <laughs> you know, like, I don't need to define it. I don't need to, you know, it's just rad. You know, I like what the music that this person is making right now. Like, it's just, um, it's cool. Like, you know, if, if I can play any role in breaking down that kind of barrier, supporting the kind of artists that help do that, then great. Because that's what I believe in, you know. It's why my roster isn't like, 12 bands of four white guys singing heavy music like that's just not interesting to me you know right and it, like you were saying if we want to be more open as a society we need to start breaking down these lines these barriers that um for whatever reason have been put up in music for the last for its existence really yeah. and you know having Emma curate Roadburn and have that lineup. It's already diverse, but have it be even more diverse and have it be led by a woman. You're breaking down that line. Have her tour with yeah. a heavy metal band, breaking down that line. It's just yeah. the more consistent we are with integrating multiple genres and different groups of people into music, the more success we'll have as a society as a whole and just kind of integrating everyone, which is the way yeah. it should be. Yeah, and that's what I mean about, like, for me, the co-op, the sergeant house, everything is built around the concept of lifting one another. You know, it's like the whole idea of curating Roadburn. It was like, what a great, uh, what a great honor to also know that now you can help get voices of artists you think deserve it heard. So it was like beautiful to watch Emma picking who she was picking, you know, it was like, she's a great curator because she isn't like some dude who goes and picks 12 other bands that sound like his fucking band. It was like, and that's what the world needs. That's what I'm saying. Like, we just need to everybody, like, it's just cool to have diversity in sounds, in vibes. I don't know about you, but it's like, I love music. I don't sit and listen to heavy music all day. I listen to all different kinds of music and people who are, you know, it's like there are bands that I never listen to their music driving in my car, but I will never miss their show because they're a live band for me. It's like, oh, dude, you know, but I'm not like sitting there listening to like the locust in my car, but I want to see the locust when they play, you know, um, and it's the same so it's like I don't know I just it's just cool that if you know creating a place a safe space where dive can tour with deaf heaven and not have it be weird you know and it wasn't weird it was awesome and 
just, I love doing that. I love doing all the tours we do are, you know, Deaf Heaven are also huge advocates of that, where that all their tours are weird lineups, you know? It's like, oh, we got like, you know, Drab Majesty and Portrayal of Guilt, you know, like different bands that are, they don't all sound the same. They don't, they aren't Deaf Heaven clone bands, you know? Um, yeah, some of these, sometimes I, I look at tours and it's just like four whack, it's like the headliner and then three D versions of that headliner. <laughs> as the openers <laughs> and two of them paid to be on the tour and it's like oh i can't think of anything less interesting and it's just not the part of rock music i want to be part of you know for sure yeah i think you know we are coming out of this pandemic at some point hopefully soon mm -hmm. but you know moving forward we're going to be seeing in my opinion every band who really enjoys what they do is going to be itching to get on the road. And so if you want to stand out from everyone else, you're going to have to be booking these tours that are diverse, that showcase. You're not going just to see the same thing for four hours. You're going for an evening, an event. It's yeah. considered like a mini I think touring, I think, I think it's going to change a lot too, because the pandemic, the pandemic definitely weeds out like the, you know, the ones who it's going to be hard it's going to be hard to be a mediocre band and get tours because there isn't the space you know it's like if i'm a venue and there used to be eight venues in my town and now there's two i still have you know 16 bands all trying to play in austin you know on the same day so only the best are going to get picked. You know, the ones who really do have the fan base. I shouldn't say the best because the best isn't always the most popular, but it is definitely going to be tricky for those like middle of the road bands that are just like always touring and like always like, you know, on bills that are similar and stuff. People are going to have to get a bit more creative. Um, and, uh, I see transform, like I have a lot of ideas of doing things very differently with my own bands for touring, like not going back to this, that like, okay, let's go out, we get, and we go, we travel every town and we play, you know, we're gone for seven, you know, five weeks, six weeks. I think it's going to be way more made more into events, you know, where it's like, we're doing three nights in Los Angeles, come to them versus them going and playing in, you know, all the different little places where there are no longer venues and you know it's become so expensive to tour it's like dude it's 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 fucking crazy you know yeah there's a cer there's certainly an unsustainability to how things were done before and it was also just like painfully obvious watching bookers literally put package over package into the same exact routing same venues yeah. it, it just yeah. made no sense whatsoever and i felt really bad for bands even though in some way like i assume that they had a choice in it i felt as though there again like are some mechanisms of the industry that force them into doing those things uh for one reason whether it was because they needed to tour and sell merch every night or have the opportunity to do so to make money or that there may have been some no, you have to get from point reason. eight yeah you have to get from point A to point B and there's 70, you know, there's 17 like shitty states and venues you have to play to get from one mm -hmm. side to the other side. Um, and it is, you know, it's, it's, 
you know, breaking even is better than losing money that night. So that's the thing. It's like the, the structure of touring is tricky. It's hard to sustain. There isn't, um, you know, it is weird. The middle of this country sucks, man. It's like full of just like <laughs> QAnon, Trump loving freaks that just I don't relate to and neither do my bands, you know? So it's hard to get from California to New York and have to cross through these areas of where, you know, people are not interested in, in, in like diversity or anything. And I don't know, man, I'm starting to get to where it's like, I just don't want to pander to any of that shit, you know? Mm. Uh, I want to ask about, uh, I want to be a coastal oh, elite. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, uh, is there, is there a way to actually like kind of, challenge them in their own place in a way that can open them up potentially or do you think it's a lost okay, cause um, i mean you know what i'm saying like it's it, i mean i don't know I, I think a lot of things are gonna change I, I you know also just simply because um venues it's gonna there's gonna be a lot of different things you know a lot of venues have closed um the sad part about COVID that doesn't get talked about that I think about a lot is just the loss of talent of all the infrastructure talent that's going to be gone, like promoters that were great who have just given up the game and they're like realtors now. And it's like really good booking agents, good lighting directors, you know, guys who worked, you know, the great sound guy at that venue in North Carolina who like now works at UPS and like will never come back. And, that's the stuff that we don't feel yet now, but is going to suck. Like it's going to suck when it's like, oh, wow, you know, the, the promoters we loved in, you know, 75% of our old tour routings don't exist anymore, you know, um, or they're doing rave nights now, <laughs> you know, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think, I, I think it's time for it to change a bit, but Mm -hmm. I, I'm not, I don't have, I don't want to reveal what I really think yet. <laughs> it's a secret plan that I'm hatching, uh -huh. but you'll see like the armed, like I've been talking about doing some interesting stuff with the way the arm tours, because there's so many of them and there's a lot of different players and um, they're hard to get out on tour for long periods of time. And um so we're going to come up with different ways to like make huge events so that people can come to them, you know? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I was just in the, I needed an escape from Chicago. So I escaped to uh, the mountains in North yeah. Carolina and mm -hmm. I wasn't far from Asheville. So I decided to just check it out. But having been there before and seeing how big of a music city it was, mm -hmm. uh, especially for like acoustic folky stuff. Yeah absolutely seeing how much COVID has devastated that scene. Oh yeah. It's insane. And you were talking about lighting directors and sound engineers and stuff like that. There, it goes even smaller just to like those little venues where those small independent, they're not really looking to do anything other than just play to a few people any given night of the week. That's largely gone. Yeah, it's gone and it's not going to come back. Mm -hmm. No. And yeah. And those were the spots where it's like, oh, you know, 
storefront church, you're trying to get from point B to point A, go to Nashville and play in this little place, you know, cap a hundred, it doesn't exist anymore. So where does he play now? You know? Um, and that's, yeah, shit's going to be different, you know, and not only that, it's like, you know, the people who are left are the greedy ones who are like, okay, now it's just door deals and, you know, like there's no, so it's definitely going to be a shook up game. That's for sure. Luckily I have good bands and people like to watch them play live and they're good live. So I'm fortunate. <laughs> mm-hmm. you know? I wanted to ask about uh, mediums a little bit. So uh, clearly you're interested in putting records out. Uh, is this the future for you moving forward? Is it like uh, vinyl, digital, and maybe, uh, I don't know if, I don't have like a way to play CDs anymore, but do you see it that as like vinyl is now your default physical and then MP3s or streaming is the uh, digital as far as like- I mean, the- vinyl's, oh, vinyl has always been our default. You know, it's always mm-hmm. been the physical format that our fans like the most. Um, mm-hmm. CDs we still make because they still sell, um, especially in Europe. Uh, uh streaming is it's definitely shifted from like streaming it's just like this annoyance to like fuck streaming rules like you know we don't have to spend any money and money comes in so like subsidizes you know the the loss of the physical product um obviously it'd be great if it was even more so streaming was more equitable and fair but it's still um you know, I don't, my thing is we will continue to create whatever formats people are interested in having. So, you know, do we make less CDs than we used to? Yes. We make twice as much vinyl as we used to, you know, like, because now it's just, that's it. And vinyl is getting more expensive to make. We're also, uh, you know, someone was asking like, why are, you know, why is vinyl getting so much more expensive? It's, it's also because it's like, that is the only format people will physically buy. That's the only, you know, so it is the way, it is a way to help artists. And when we're making a special exclusive, you know, variants and whatever, we could charge $30 for them. Meanwhile, they're 150 on Discogs, t- you know, 10 days later when you sell a variant. And then it's like, so it's like, you know, I'd rather see the artists get more money than people reselling it on Discogs. But so, yeah, I mean, the vinyl thing is um, something we continue to do. We're going to start making, you know, just we'll continue to like do special things, do zoetropes, make like really crazy collectible vinyl. Um, and also just like, you know, cr- creative merch. Um, but I, I do think also we'll get into, you know, I think Sergeant House will launch a subscription label type situation um where it's not just you know where it's you can have access to like special things and discounts and music first and content and stuff like that um but also where you genuinely know that you're helping support a music community because i would split all the money up and give it to the artists you know um and again you know i think that that's what will always separate sergeant house from the majority of labels because again that's me being a manager not me being a label if i was a label i'd be like you don't get any of the money you know (laughs) Mm -hmm. um 
but again, I think that's what separates us is that our fans know that we genuinely do take, like the artists aren't sitting there complaining that they don't get paid. Like my artists get, they get money. They are supported by the music, you know, and their merchandise and all that stuff. And their stores are theirs. Like we don't, you know, they get, when you buy merch from their, the band, like it's not coming to Sergeant House, you know, <laughs> I mean, it is, but then it gets paid out to them. But, um, so I don't know. I, I think I think the thing that shifted is fans are really willing to support artists they like. So I'm so let's let's say I'm uh, an aspiring musician, a solo, or it's me and one other person, and uh, I'm feeling unheard and unrepresented in the music industry. What are some words of encouragement that you have for folks like that uh, that are coming out of the pandemic? Um, why are you making, I'm going to ask you like, you're that person. Yeah. Yeah. Let's split. We can pretend. Yeah. Um, what are your goals with music? Like, what do you want your music? What do you want to have happen with your music? What is your goal? What do you see as what's your vision with your music? So you've made this music, you've recorded it. And now you feel like, oh, because how do I get it out there? Why do you want to get it out there? What do you want to do with it? Tell me your, mm -hmm. your, goal, your plan. What, what, what's your fantasy plan for it? And then I'll tell you, I'll tell you well, what I think. Yeah. I mean, I think right there, um, and I know Sam wants to play along with us too, <laughs> but I think that uh, like, I, I think right there, identifying those kinds of core questions for people yeah. uh, is important. I think for, for bands as someone who's worked with bands as well, like, you need to understand kind of not just that you can make music, but what yeah. beyond that is the purpose of it for yourself. And then also yeah. kind of the audience you're going after uh, in the same, that's, in the that's same the thing is like people have to understand, like if you made music, you and your, your, your boyfriend, let's say you and your, you, you and your, your partner make may enjoy making music. And so you did that you don't need to have a record label to enjoy making music. You don't need to have a manager. So what do you, why are you hitting me up? What do you want from me? Um, and there's an, and there is a series of questions like, how old are you? You know, let's, let's play this yeah. game. Okay. Mm -hmm. Oh, um, you and your partner have made music. How old are you? Not you, but like your character these yeah. people well, that you're asking about we'll just we'll just play this game i'm 27 yeah. i'm 27 okay, you're 27 and you've never been on a label have you ever been in a band of any notoriety or toured or anything that's like or is it just like you're brand new no one's ever heard of you you're 27 um i have done midwest tours yeah okay so you're brand new and no one's heard of you exactly <laughs> okay um what kind of music is it it is very rock with ambient kind of overtones okay um you like your bedroom right because that's where it's gonna stay yeah <laughs> <laughs> have you heard about band camp exactly. <laughs> it's awesome you just put your shit up and then you hope you tell your friends to go get it mm -hmm. uh, i mean that that's not even a joke it's like again um if you come to me and you're 17 or you're 70, the motivation of why you, you want to talk to me about your music is what I need to know. So it's like, 
if you're hitting me up and I listen to your music and it's not like, holy shit, I have never heard anything like this is so sick. This is amazing. I really love this. Then it doesn't matter if you're 17 or 70. I don't care. I don't want to fucking, I'm not going to be able to help you. Um, so the next question is, stop it. My dogs are like fighting. Um, so the next question is, is like, well, what's your goal? You know, a lot of people, you know, again, it's like, well, why? If you just like it, making music, it's the same as like writing, playing video games because it's fun. So some people are destined to like make music because it's fun, enjoy it, release it on Bandcamp, put it up on through TuneCore, self-release it. Or are you looking to like make music your life, like where you're a real artist and you're signed and you tour and your entire world is about making music? Because a lot of people don't realize, like, like that's very fucking hard to get. You know, that's very hard to achieve. It means you're not going to have a kid and a wife and all that kind of shit. Are you prepared to not have that? Because that's going to get in the way of the plans. You know, and 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 again, everybody, don't start like hating on me because I'm saying you can't have a child. And I'm literally just playing the game with you. Um, you know, but those are things I look at. It's like. If you come to me and it's like, you know, oh, my girlfriend doesn't want me to tour and blah, 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 you know, that kind of stuff, which happens all the time. It's like, well, then don't come to me, dude. Like, I'm for, I'm not the right place. Like, go put it up yourself, you know, like, let people hear it, enjoy making it. And that's beautiful. Like, it's okay to just enjoy making music with your friends. And that, it doesn't need to be bigger than that. Um, if so again, it comes down to like, how much do you want it? And is it good enough that other people are going to gravitate to it? Um, and it, that's a hard, hard place to get, you know? Absolutely. But everyone should fucking try if they really love it. I'm not trying to discourage anybody from trying to make music for, for their life or for their living. Um, but you know, I, I will say that I see, I come across a ton of like very mediocre or even less than mediocre bands that truly think that they've been working their asses off for 10 years and the system's just stacked against them. It's like, no, you're just not good. Like you're not signed because all the labels that you've sent your records to are not interested because it's not that good. You know, um, that's a tough thing to hear but that's the truth, you know, it's like, it's, um, you know, and there's bands, you know, that write to me all the time and they brag about how they've like toured for the last 15 years and they almost got this and they almost, you know, and it's like, dude, why are you sending me this? Like you should, you, sh you know, like it, it's not good. You know, that is why nothing has happened. It's not good. Um, and, or it's good, but not in this universe. <laughs> Maybe it's like super sick in your head. <laughs> but in everyone else's, it's not so good. If you can't get your own friends to go to your second show, then, you know, like, it's probably not that good. Mm -hmm. That's the other thing. It's like, you know, you know, I know it sounds shitty, but it's just the truth. Like there are bands that I sign that it's like, 
it's their third show. And I'm like, oh my God, because they're that fucking good. And when you're that good, it's immediate. You know, you don't, it doesn't take 10 years to get noticed. If you've been doing it for 10 years and you haven't gotten noticed, you need to ask yourself why, you know, and be real with yourself. Maybe you're not practicing enough. Maybe what you're doing is too like derivative of everybody else's, what everyone else is doing, but something's not connecting to make you special. Um, a lot of bands like need to get rid of their best friend who's a terrible drummer, you know, like there's lots of those. I see it all the time, you know, but, but it is, it, it is what it is. But I will say that when I hear something for me, it's immediate and it could be someone who's literally never even played a live show, or it could be someone, you know, rarely is it, you know, someone where it's like, I've been trying for 10 years. I mean, I mean, in fact, that's never happened where it's, you know, those bands that are like, we've been, we've been on the grind for 10 years and we've toured and we've been, you know, second of four on 500 tours and we just can't catch a break. And it's like, it's cause your music sucks. <laughs> <laughs> your shit's bad. Uh, and then, you know, uh, and sometimes it's sometimes it it is just that you're a hidden treasure. Sometimes it's geographic, you know, geographical. A lot of really talented artists also are not. In fact, the most talented artists are the ones who don't think their stuff is good. And so it's funny because I'll come across people who are like, "Wow, I would have never sent it to you because I would have never thought you would have liked it." And then I have the clowns that are like, "Their music is terrible," and they think it is the greatest. And it's like you know so it is funny how um sometimes the most talented people are the ones who are not going to get they won't end up getting discovered because they don't like believe in themselves enough to even send it somewhere um but i do find that really the stuff i gravitate toward is it's instant it's like instantaneous like storefront church where i was just like okay i'm in like five five seconds into the first song it's like i get it i'm done need it <laughs> gotta have it you know um but yeah so there's there's no real no real answer to that question it's it's tough <laughs> i i think i think you laid out uh a lot of good parameters uh for people to think about as well i think the thing uh, of anything is just to remember is like again stop thinking being signed and having a manager is what makes you a musician. If you like to play music and you have a band and you live in, you know, Dayton, Ohio, and you jam and you go and you guys fucking blow away the bowling alley every Friday night, that's rad, do it. That's good, enjoy it. Like what's wrong with that? Why isn't that good enough? Why, you know, there's no like, oh, you have to, you know, have pitch work right about it or it doesn't mean anything like fuck that you know mm -hmm. so enjoy it enjoy music it doesn't have to there it doesn't have to be a competition you know it doesn't have to be like it's not real if it's not on a record label i see so many people sign with like fake record you know just saying you're a record label doesn't make you a record label and i watch so many bands you know like we're signing with this you know blah 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 records it's like dude they don't even have a website they're not a record label <laughs> they don't have any bands that have like like that anyone's heard of that doesn't make it like better than doing putting it on bandcamp yourself you know right. and my advice to a lot of bands young bands if you're just starting 
do not run and sign with nobody fucking places because you're ruining your chance of actually getting signed somewhere good. If you are good, stay unsigned. You're way sexier unsigned than you are signed to some bullshit label none of us think is legit, you know. Um, just put your stuff out, self-release it first and let see if you get any heat, you know. Like, don't rush to sign with whoever asks or whoever says yes. Your first step when you make music should not be sending it to labels. It should be putting it out into the world a bit to let people find you and to see like, hey man, you know, we put up a song and all of our friends are freaking out how good it is. And then that turns into like, oh my God, my friends in this band and they're kind of sick. And then it, if you're good, that's what happens. If, if it's just like plain old shit, nobody talks about it. You gotta keep working. How to keep practicing. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, uh, thank you. Uh, thank you, Kathy. This was a, an awesome conversation. Um, and uh, we're looking forward to uh, hearing more from uh, from Sergeant House and for all these really exciting projects that you outlined at the beginning to come to fruition. Thank you so much. I appreciate yeah. that. And thank you for taking the time to talk to me about my ramblings. <laughs> to listen to my ramblings it's been oh, lovely no. it's been lovely great rambling so thank you thank you so much and thank you for supporting any of the bands of mine that you do mm -hmm.